Good morning, Grizzlies fans, and welcome to this latest edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. It is February 11th, and we hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are warm, you are safe, and you are enjoying a great start to your Thursday. Now, I'm not sure where you yourself are listening currently. We do have listeners that obviously are here in the Memphis area. They're in different parts of the country, different parts of the world. But one thing that I can say we are waking up to here in Memphis that it started last night is we're waking up to icy conditions. We've been under an ice storm morning for about 24 hours. It did have We did have freezing rain last night. The roads are probably pretty treacherous. But I can tell you this, even though the conditions outside were cold and icy and just hard to deal with, One thing that I can tell you for certain is that if you were anywhere near the FedEx Forum last night, or even if you were watching from your TV, you could feel the heat all game long because this Memphis Grizzlies team was on fire. The Memphis Grizzlies, after a four-game skid, I think found the best way possible to come out of that skid, and that's setting a franchise record. That is correct, a franchise record. 23 threes from three-pointer to beat the Charlotte Hornets in a much-needed victory, 130-114. to We're going to get into a little bit more into that here in the first segment. In the second segment, we're going to talk about how this shooting last night, though it was a historic performance, it's just the latest in obvious improvement that this Grizzlies team, I don't know if it's strategy and schemes, I don't know if it's shots just falling, but in the second segment, I'm going to show, though they may not do what they did last night every single game, they certainly are starting to improve from the top to the bottom of the roster when it comes to their shooting, and we'll also, in the third segment, talk about, besides the shooting, besides all the statistical, physical, whatever you want to call it, all the strengths of this team, the one other strength that though you can't measure it by numbers, maybe the biggest reason of all, this Grizzlies team continues to exceed expectations. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at SACC. You can find the podcast wherever podcasts are available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Listen, subscribe, let us know what you think of the show. We always want to provide content that is relevant to our listeners' preferences. Before I get too excited and get too far into talking about the victory in last night's game, I do want to remind you of our title sponsor, rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts that you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. So let's jump right into it. This Grizzlies team coming off a four-game skid and we've talked about it. It just was a very frustrating four-game skid. The two, first two games of, the, of this four-game stretch, the Grizzlies just didn't have a chance. They were absolutely not in the games at all. The last two games, the Grizzlies looked good up until uh, in the in the third uh, in the third game of this stretch against the Pelicans, up until about halfway through the fourth, and then in in the game um, from uh, from Monday night up until about the late third, the Grizzlies just could not play a complete game. And the other thing that was really getting in the Grizzlies' way of letting them achieve success was just their inability to defend a three. Over this four-game stretch, they allowed teams to to shoot 70 of 145 from beyond the arc. That's good for 17.5 threes per game from their opponents at a 48% clip. Finally, the Grizzlies, over the past few days, just decided to take on the philosophy of we can't stop them, we might as well do better than them. It's what be, it, what is beating us, and that is shooting the three. Overall, the Grizzlies, 23 from 49, beating their previous franchise record of 21 threes in a game. And the crazy thing about it is, is that it just, it it was from the beginning, this Grizzlies team was shooting the three at historically efficient levels for the franchise. In the first half, it really got started with the shooting of the bench. As we had talked about several times uh, since the Grizzlies had come back from their hiatus, this bench unit really emerging 
as the most productive bench unit in the NBA, but also by far the best three-point shooting team for a stretch there. We were talking about Desmond Bain and Gorgie Dang really getting going as far as being the top two three-point shooting players in the league. But that's the thing, is that it's not just them. We've now started to see the reemergence of the shooting talents that are Tyus Jones and Grayson Allen. Between them, a combined eight threes in the first half. Grayson Allen became the latest player in Grizzlies franchise history who had made five or more threes as a reserve in a half. In fact, he's the only player that's done that multiple times in Grizzlies franchise history. He did it twice in the bubble, in which we saw just his potential, his ceiling as a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, and last night he once again stepped up to the occasion. So it was those two as well as others who contributed in the first half. Well, come in the second half, we get right back at going at it again with Kyle Anderson possibly having the best two minutes of his career. Overall, Kyle Anderson last night, 6 of 9 from beyond the arc. A career high, his previous career high had been four threes in a game set earlier this year. Excuse me, 6 of 8 from 3. He had shot four threes, I believe, in the third game of the season or excuse me, the second game of the season against the Atlanta Hawks. Well, tonight, 6 of 8 from beyond the arc. And overall, a total of 27 points. He just missed his career high of 27 points. He talked about it. Kelsey Wright Johnson of Grind City Media asked him after the game, how badly did he want to get back in and score? And he said, heck yeah, he wanted to. But he understood, you know, hey, he'll take the victory and be good to go. But Kyle Anderson himself, 6 of 8, six of eight from 3. And then, then in the fourth quarter, Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks both really contributed as well as both of them out of the starting unit wound up contributing four threes apiece. Overall, we have talked about, you know, how yes, the bench unit has certainly been the reason why this Grizzlies team has found success from three. But this Memphis team, six three-pointers tonight from Kyle Anderson, one from Jaw, four from Dylan Brooks, four from Desmond Bain. Overall, the starters tonight shot a combined 15 Doing my math here. They shot a combined 15 of 29 from beyond the arc. And so over the two-game period that Desmond Bain has been starting in this lineup with this Grizzlies team, they've started out 8 of 15 from from beyond the arc last night. And then tonight, they were 15 of 29. So we're talking about... The reason I don't count the entire game last night is because this Grizzlies team obviously did struggle after the big stretch that the Raptors had. But but coming into last night's game, this Grizzlies team, as their starters, shooting 28% from three on the season. Insert Desmond Bain into the lineup coming off a bench that obviously has been hot as can be. And then you see an immediate impact made on this starting lineup. They start 8 from 15 last night. They have the lead at halftime. Tonight, they once again, they set a career franchise record with Desmond Bain in the lineup. They're 15 of 29 from 3 out of their starting lineup. Set a franchise record. They get the win. One great lineup decision in a season where he's had some questionable ones, but a clearly very good lineup decision by Taylor Jenkins has really made all the difference in the world to now allow for his starters to be able to be supported by his bench unit at rates that are average to above average even when it comes to shooting the three. So balancing out the ability to shoot the three has really made the difference for the Grizzlies over the past couple of games. However, 
tonight, the Grizzlies still struggled at times when it came to defending the Charlotte Hornets. Though they only gave up 114 points, which is a good thing compared to their last few games, they did allow Terry Rozier to have six threes tonight, 34 points. They did allow the Charlotte Hornets to shoot 14 and 29 from beyond the arc, but they also really clamped down in the second half, only giving up 15 points in the third quarter for them really to take over the lead, and that's what allowed for them to be able to really grab control of the game and have a comfortable lead going into the fourth quarter. But it wasn't just the threes where the Grizzlies were finding success. It was once again their ability to grab offensive rebounds. They were able to grab 19 offensive rebounds tonight, and overall that made a key difference as it allowed for them to once again have a game in which they had 10 or more extra shots over their opponent. Tonight it was 12. And that's one thing that I asked Coach Taylor Jenkins about. You know, we've talked about, you know, during their seven-game winning streak and before this four-game losing streak started, the Grizzlies were finding a lot of success getting a significant amount ahead finding a significant significant advantage in gaining extra possessions and having a significantly higher total than their opponents in terms of shot attempts in these games that they were winning due to their turnovers. Well, now that their turnovers are taking a bit of a step back, one other area where the Grizzlies are starting to find success is offensive rebounds. Now, it can't be understated that a big reason for that is the return of Jonas Valanciunas. However, the Grizzlies now, and as they do get their the rest of their uh, players back, because they're doing it right now without Brandon Clark, and they're also doing this without the Anthony Melton, the big thing for the Grizzlies is they're now finding multiple ways to be able to, ha- to, to have avenues to have a significantly, hi- a significantly higher number of shots than their opponents. That's not only one way to win, but they're finding multiple ways to do it, either through offensive rebounds or turnovers. You now combine that with an increased ability to shoot from three, which we'll talk about in just a second in the second segment, you combine the ability to, uh, you combine improved shooting from three with multiple ways, night in and night out, that you're producing more shot attempts per game than your opponents. That's a recipe to win. And that's depth on a recipe to win because you've got three different ways in which you really can find a way to stay competitive and win. So now that the offense is getting a bit more consistent, we just need the defense to figure out what it did in the second half tonight and make that more consistent. We've talked about all season long when it comes to this Grizzlies team, it's going to be inconsistent at times because it's limited in terms of the availability of several of its best talents. Not just Jaron and Justice, but it seems like at all times we're without one or two of our main rotation players that are currently active due to COVID or other injuries or whatever it may be. But the thing about it is, is that this inconsistency is not just, you know, hey, you know, every five games we're showing decent potential or we're flashing, you know, encouraging signs. Every single game almost, one half of the equation, either the offense or the defense, in most of our games this season, is playing winning basketball. And it's playing basketball at, 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 you know, franchise high levels at times, you know, especially when it comes to the shooting on the offensive end. So the encouraging sign from the night, although we still are not putting together an entire game of good defensive effort like we were before the hiatus to the season and during our seven-game winning streak. Our offense certainly has taken strides. We certainly have shown that our offense is getting more consistent. It's getting more productive. If this defense, especially when Clark and Melton can get back to the way that it was, if we can start combining more games where the offense and the defense are playing to their potential, this Grizzlies team truly does have the potential to get itself back on track. I know 
it's just one game, and I know that you can't put too much emphasis on it, but it really does start to show if you look at the San Antonio games and if you look at this game, as well as how we played through the first three quarters, both Saturday and Monday night, this offense is finding its stride. If the defense can find its stride once again and we can get just a few weeks of the offense and the defense playing to their potential, we really can establish some success that can keep our head above water until Justice and Jaron come back and allow for us to really ride the ship and get right back in that playoff hunt going forward. So again, we don't want to put too much emphasis on a night where we shot 23 threes from the field. Again, as I had mentioned on Twitter, this was only the 14th time in NBA history in which a team had 23 or more threes and 34 or more assists. You don't want to bank on doing that every night. However, there is plenty of proof that while we may not do this every night, this Grizzlies team certainly is establishing a significantly higher floor and is being significantly more productive from three ever since it came back from the break. Coming up, I'll discuss that and how that is a definitely an encouraging development that's going to allow for them to once again, when they do start winning again, allow for them to be able to have a much more sustainable opportunity to keep winning than they were previously. Speaking of being able to repair your approach, one thing that I can say, much like the Grizzlies were able to repair their approach when it comes to their shooting during their hiatus and coming back after their pause in the season, I can certainly tell you somewhere where you could repair your car if you were to run into trouble with it, especially during these winter months, and that is rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a great source for a variety of reasons. And I can tell you this, I'm not someone that's going to be able to sit here and tell you how you can repair your car, but I can tell you with confidence where you can go to do it, and that's RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is very easy to use. Within a few clicks of the button, you'll likely have what you need, you'll need, and it's more than likely you're going to find what you need because it has a deep selection of not only parts, but parts from any maker model you can think of around. If you're someone that does your own repairs, you need someone else to do your repairs, or you do repairs for a living, RockAuto.com is also a great source because it's economically feasible. This is a family-owned business. They know that car repairs fall out of the economic budget, so they make it very feasible for you to be able to find the car parts that you need at a price that certainly will be manageable. If you visit rockauto.com today, let them know that the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. Rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts that you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents, More Than the Game. Don't miss this week's episode featuring Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discussing the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. There's a new episode coming next week, so go ahead and subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the Radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. So you know that we've mentioned it several times over the past few weeks, talking about the Grizzlies' ability to shoot from three. Now, during their seven-game winning streak, one thing that I had talked about, I coming into this season, I had mentioned that the three areas where the Grizzlies really needed to improve from last year for them to truly emerge themselves as playoff contenders was defending the three, shooting the three, and limiting mistakes. Now, during their seven-game winning streak, they were having success 
both limiting mistakes due to the due to their league due to being top five and fewest fouls per game, being near the top of the league and, and, and fewest turnovers committed to, per game, and obviously also with how good their defense was playing. But this team was struggling from three, just like I mentioned in the first segment. It was struggling to find a to find a stretch where it consistently could show the improvement that it was having in limiting mistakes and defending, along with being able to shoot the ball from three. Now we had had a, a few occurrences where this Grizzlies team truly had had success. But really, you started to get an indication of where this team was struggling because even during the five-game winning streak that this team had before the hiatus in the season, they were last in the league over that stretch. During that stretch of time on the calendar in which the Grizzlies had the first five game, first five wins of the seven-game winning streak that ended last week, they were averaging nine three-pointers per game. That's right. They were winning despite averaging nine three-pointers per game. That's just not sustainable in today's NBA. We know how much this this era of the NBA, today's NBA, is so predicated on not only being able to shoot the three, but being able to shoot a lot and being able to shoot it accurately. If you cannot do that, even though you're finding ways to win, it's likely not going to be sustainable because as you face better competition, you're going to have a hard time trading twos for threes even if you get extra possessions. And that was clearly indicated, you know, not just during that five-game winning streak, but it was also certainly there when it came to this Grizzlies team over their entire stretch of games, through the first first 13 games of the season before the season was put on pause due to COVID. Overall, the Grizzlies, before their hiatus before up from the season start on um, December 22nd up until the pause in the season um, when it came to um, December um, 18th the, or excuse me January 18th this team was averaging 10.2 threes per game 30.2 three, three point attempts per game and they were shooting 33.3% from beyond the arc again through 13 games they were making 10.2 threes a game attempting 30.2 threes per game and making 33% of their shots their league ranks over that stretch, they were 28th in three-pointers made per game, they were 28th in a three-points attempt per game, and 29th in three-point field goal percentage. They were non-existent. This team arguably was the worst three-point shooting team in the league, and we did break it down. We did discuss that a big reason why that is was because of how poorly the Grizzlies' starting lineups were shooting, despite their bench being really, really productive. Well, that trend has certainly continued. The Grizzlies' improvement in shooting from before the season was paused till after, the big boost from it is because of how well the bench has been shooting. But here in a second, I'll show you several of the starters have seen improvement as well. But overall, it's not a, a rarely where the source is. It's just up and down the roster. Ever since this team came back from the pause in the season, there has been a heightened emphasis on shooting the three. And it's not just a product of last night. It's not just, you know, th- this this doesn't look good just because the Grizzlies set a franchise record from three, shooting 23 threes on 49 attempts and shooting 46% from three. In the six games before last night, in the six games, so we're talking about the six games after the pause in the season and not including last night's game, compared to before the pause in the season where the Grizzlies were making 10.2 threes on 30.2 attempts and were making it at a 33.3% clip. Before last night's game, 
In the six-game stretch between when this team came back on January 30th and through Monday night's game against the Raptors, the Grizzlies were averaging 13.2 threes per game, so they were up three threes a game. They were averaging 33.83 attempts per game, so up nearly four attempts per game. And the big thing was is that they were shooting 39% from three. So across the board, this team was at, this team was making three more threes per game than it was before the pause compared to after the pause. They were attempting four more threes per game, and they were making their threes at a 39% clip compared to a 33% clip. Now, obviously, those numbers look even better. So overall now, with the numbers including last night's historical performance, this Grizzlies team, since they came back from the Pauls, they have shot 252 threes, good for about 36 threes a night. They have made 102 threes, which is good for 14 and a half threes per night, and they are making 40.5% of their threes. Just like we talked about the defense, you know, we talked about how during their win streak, the Grizzlies were tenth in the league in defending the three. But during but um, during the uh, um, stretch of their losing streak, they had fallen down to twenty eighth in the league. It's been the exact opposite when it comes to the Grizzlies' ability to shoot. Before the pause in the season, in the thirteen games before the pause, this Grizzlies team was, you know in the bottom two of the league in terms of shooting the three. Ever since they've come back, they're in the top ten. Yes, it's boosted by last night's performance, but the key is this, though, is that it's not just one or two people who are shooting really well. It's not just unsustainable success from the Grizzlies bench. That is the reason why they're shooting well. The reason why they are shooting well is because up and down the roster, this team has improved since they had the hiatus in the season. Now, I don't know, you know, you it's probably a variety of things. I do feel Taylor Jenkins mentioned it, and he's had emphasis on it, and he hasn't been saying this because he he's he's trying not to tell us anything or he's he's making excuses. I do truly believe that the shots are simply starting to fall. This Grizzlies team has not been bad at getting looks. It's just that the shots have not fallen, though I do think that some strategies and schemes are certainly helping when it comes to this Grizzlies team. But let's just look at a few of the players and see how they have improved ever since, you know, between before, the, the in the 13 games before the pause in the season and since then. For the start of a season until the Martin Luther King Day game, for instance, Grayson Allen, over 12 games, had averaged 1.5 threes per game on 4.2 attempts and was shooting 36% from three. Now, in three games back since the pause in the season, he is averaging 3.3s a game on 7.7 attempts and is shooting 43.5%. DeAnthony Melton, who, yes, he right now is injured, but before the pause in the season, DeAnthony Melton was making 0.93s per game on 2.4 attempts and was shooting 35.3%. Now, ever since, it, 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 um, since the uh, season resumed, in five games since, the, the return to the season, he is averaging 2.63s per game on 5.2 attempts and shooting 50% from the field. Desmond Bain, who has remained pretty consistent, he was shooting, it was making 1.83s on 3.6 attempts and shooting 48.9% from three. Ever since the return to the season, he now is averaging 2.63s per game on 5.4 attempts and is still making it a clip of 47.5%. Kyle Anderson, he before the um uh, before the pause in the season, he was averaging 1.5 threes on 4.4 attempts per game, which was good for 33% from the field. 
since returning from the pause of the season. Now Kyle Anderson is averaging two threes a game on 4.6 attempts and shooting 43.8% from the field. And finally, Tyus Jones, who we know really, really struggled from three to start the season. He was averaging 0.6 threes made per game on 2.7 attempts and was shooting 22.9% from the field. Ever since the season resumed over these seven games in which he's played incredibly well, he's now averaging 1.3 threes per game on 3.6 attempts and shooting 36% from the field. Now, let's be honest. Some of these numbers are probably not going to be sustainable. I don't think that Kyle Anderson is going to shoot 43% from the from beyond the arc for the rest of the season. Just like I don't think Gorgie Dang is going to shoot, you know, 61% for the rest of the season. And I also don't think that DeAnthony Melton is going to shoot 50% from three for the rest of the season. However, I do feel that there has been significant improvement in each of those approaches that is a result of how Taylor Jenkins has developed his players. Though those three, Melton, Dang, and Anderson, they may fall off a bit. You also have to think that as other players, and we've seen it as Tyus Jones and others have returned to their normal roles, you should continue to see their three-point shooting improve from Tyus Jones and Dylan Brooks Not to mention, you're likely going to see the continued ability to shoot from three, and I think that both Desmond Bain and Grayson Allen can stay above 40%. Though they may regress slightly, they're likely to stay kind of, they're they're definitely sustainable in how well they can shoot from three. So while last night's 23 threes on 49 attempts may not be something that's sustainable, you're obviously not going to be able to rely on that every night. There is clear proof that this Grizzlies team has made significant improvement when it comes to shooting the three. It's not just the bench now that is producing. It's now the starting lineup, and it may be as simple as Desmond Bain going into the lineup. But I also think that over the hiatus, over the break, this team took a step back. They re-collaborated. They re-looked at their approach of how to really attack defenses when it comes to finding open shots. And they're consistently making them with confidence, with trust, and with scheme and strategies, as well as knowing that they have the confidence to let it fly whenever they want. And this marked improvement up and down the roster shows that while this Grizzlies team may not be a top 10 shooting team from three going forward, they certainly have the potential to on most nights be above average producers due to the depth and how much all of that depth has certainly improved as this season has gone along. And this is especially true when you consider the fact that arguably the Grizzlies' most productive shooter, Jaron Jackson Jr., has not even even returned from his injury. So a lot of encouraging production from this team. You obviously hope that the starters continue to improve themselves. You want to see Dylan Brooks and you want to see John Moran make notable, noticeable improvements as well. Hopefully that'll come soon. But it's hard to deny why I don't think this Grizzlies team is going to be considered one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league this year. It certainly is continuing to make clear improvements towards, towards three-point shooting becoming an asset. I mentioned before the season, defending the three limiting mistakes and shooting the three was how this team was going to be able to become a true playoff contender. They may not be there yet, and they may not get there this year, but with the improvement that you've already saw in limiting mistakes and defending the three, as well as just defense in general, you're starting now to see that type of improvement when it comes to shooting the three, and it's so encouraging to see for a coach that prefers it, 
a roster that it believe that believes in its ability to do it, and one that also a roster that also knows with how much they want to you know avenge them not making the playoffs last year, the more confidence they get in shooting from three this year, the more likely it's going to be they're going to be able to sustain it to give themselves the best chance possible to make the playoffs. But over the past several months, I've talked about so many different numbers and so many different numerical statistics, offensive schemes, strategies, whatever you want to call it. But last night, at the very end of the game and over the past 48 hours, there also has been a reminder that the biggest reason why this team continues to exceed expectations has nothing to do with numbers, has nothing to do with wins and losses, has nothing to do with what to do they to do with what they do on the court. It's a common shared passion that each of them have off the court that really binds them together. Coming up, I'll talk about that and how it shines through on a nearly everyday basis for this team, and it's so refreshing to see. Super Bowl Sunday is always an exciting time of the year. It's the best sports day perhaps in the world, but definitely here in the U.S. But when it comes to it, as exciting of a day it is for those, as it is for those of us who just enjoy sports, some of us who also enjoy profiting a bit off of sports, it is a bit bittersweet because for a sport that many love across the, the nation and the world in football, while it's the best day of the football calendar, it also marks the end of it for quite a while. However, even though football may be well on the horizon from this point on, I can tell you there are plenty of other sports, basketball, NHL, UFC, whatever you may choose, to where you not only can enjoy the teams and athletes that you love, but you can also wager and profit a bit off of them. And we've got one place that has you covered and the one place that can get you taken care of, and that's betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Promo code locked on. Again, head to the website or use the mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code locked on. This episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times. InStyle Magazine or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful and commitment ring. They're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com, and when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. Perhaps the most enjoyable thing about last night, despite the record-setting shooting performance, despite the overall you know, continued improvement that this offense is showing, despite ending a four-game winning streak with a needed win, and you know, really seeing this team in multiple ways be able to play winning basketball. Perhaps the most memorable aspect of last night was seeing just how excited and, and, and you know, almost I don't want to say relieved, but just ecstatic that this team was 
in seeing their fellow team members, the bench from the bench to the players on the court, just seeing their reaction, how excited they were for each other, for many of them just having great nights individually, but also for the team itself. Just overall, the happiness that was there that these guys had in being able to share last night together with each other. And the thing about it is this, is that you can consider all the different things. No matter the improvements that we're seeing on offense, no matter the ceiling that we've established on defense, the identity that we've established as a team, no matter all the numbers, all the performances on the court, all the talent, whatever it may be, all those certainly contribute to the fact that this team, once again, is at very least in the playoff conversation, you know, logically. The biggest reason why this team continues to see the expectations, continues to make each of us so proud to be a fan of them, continues to be so much fun to watch, is the chemistry and love that they have for each other and the overall feeling of family that this roster truly seems to have. You know, in the post-game meetings, and you know, in general, in the media sessions that we have, um, with this team. You know, we, myself and others, we always ask them about scheming strategies, numbers, trends, what they're looking for, scouting reports. We ask them about so many different things that have to do with basketball. But I, while I don't have an actual number, it feels like 90% of the time, from Coach Jenkins and John Moran all the way down to the 12 or 13 guys on the, uh, in the rotation, it always seems to come back that, this, that the big reason why this team is successful is because how much they trust and have faith in one another. It's not just saying it when I say this. It truly, I feel that it's truly sincere. Every member of this Grizzlies roster absolutely loves playing and cares for the other players that they play with and the coaches that coach them. They genuinely feel that by playing with this group, with this specific group, this specific roster, I feel like each player on the Grizzlies specifically feels that through playing together with this group, they individually are getting better. It's a big reason why they're able to continue to progress in terms of their individual games. And that is such a key development that you need for a roster that does not have stars in and of itself, though we have future ones in Morant, Jackson Jr., and others. While this team doesn't have a current superstar, while this team doesn't have something that they're truly elite at yet as far as the, the strengths of this team, the one thing, and it's not cliche, it is absolutely the truth, even though you can't measure it, where this team certainly continues, in my opinion, to have an advantage is because of the absolute positive culture that is here and the fact that this team truly feels as if it's one big family. And the thing about it is, is that it's not just the fact that it's because these guys are together that they feel like a family. It's also because that so many members of the team obviously have a lot of value and have a lot of appreciation for where they came from and the family that they have. After last night's game, Evan Barnes of the Commercial Pill, he asked Ja Moran about a moment in which Ja went over to the stands and head-handed his jersey to a woman. And while Ja didn't get into specifics, that is someone that he had connected with, someone that he holds in high regard from his time at Murray State. We uh, have always known that Ja Morant has a high appreciation and very much values where he came from and where he's gone on his journey to get to this point in time as being the face of this franchise. He talked about it during his Rookie of the Year ceremony at the end of last season. His most memorable game last year was the game-winning shot that he had in Charlotte because he was able to do it amongst friends and family. 
You see him consistently on social media and in these media sessions and just in general connect with Murray State, the school that supported him and really allowed for him to blossom into a potential NBA superstar. He's had connections with them from, you know, from connecting with the students, from the different, um, you know, honors that he, re- that he has received. There is a clear love between John Morant and the school that he came from, and he obviously will always be supportive and in his mind be a true Murray State racer. But it's not just John. Last week, um, you know, I put out a stat in regards to Desmond Bain, you know, in terms of, you know, the historical precedence that he's setting as a three-point shooter as a rookie. And I noticed when I tweeted that stat out that several interactions from that tweet, several of the interactions that were involved with it came from a town called Richmond, Indiana. And lo and behold, that actually is the hometown where Desmond Bain grew grew up. He was raised by his grandparents in Richmond, Indiana. And so I asked him about that as the Grizzlies, you know, last week went to Indiana to play the Pacers. And he talked about just how awesome of an experience it was so early in his rookie season and with the success that he's having. It was so great to return home, to be in front of friends and family. And though he could only see them from a distance, it was great to be able to perform in front of them. And though he would have loved to have had the win, it was a great experience overall. Others such as Trey um, or excuse me, Tyus Jones, they recently have had the enjoyment of being able to celebrate, you know, achievements by their family. Tyus Jones' brother, Trey, was drafted in the second round of the 2020 draft by the San Antonio Spurs, and he was asked about it after the draft, and you could just see him beaming. He was smiling ear to ear with excitement, knowing that his brother had made it just as he has, and you could see the pictures from when the Grizzlies visited San Antonio for back-to-back games, um, you know, at the start of their resume to the season back at the end of January and early February. There just was a genuine enjoyment that Trey Jones and Tyus Jones were able to experience because they were sharing the court together. So the thing about it is this, is that when you hear that this team is one big family, when you hear, you know, these players call each other brothers, when you hear, you know, this team talk about the chemistry, the trust, the faith, and the love that they have for each other, it's not just cliche. It's not just to say that to set a positive tone. It is a genuine feeling that is to the point now to where it is a big reason why several players on this roster under Taylor Jenkins have not only improved who they are in terms of their careers, but also in terms of who they are, you know, as men. You know, they talk about it themselves. They talk about just how being a part of this culture has really benefited them on a lot of different levels. And because of that, though, you can't measure it with numbers. You can't sit here and analyze it. You can't sit here and break it down, you know, in a quantitative fashion like you can other parts of the game of basketball. It's clearly hard to deny, and there is plenty of proof on a day-to-day basis that this team loves playing with each other. And that's a big reason why we all love them as fans, people who cover the team, whatever role you may have you know, in Grizzlies Nation. The great thing about it is, is that we're cheering for a team that truly feels like a family. And thankfully, we're cheering for a team that not only continues to exceed expectation, but because of the culture that's being created here, just as much as the talent and future potential that is on the court, we're hopefully cheering for a current version of this franchise that will reach heights it has not done before, and it'll happen in the near future. It's just a fun team to cheer for, and while we go through ruts, you know, while we go through stretches, of, you know, unfortunately negative play, you know, while we're going to go through losing streaks, that's growing pains for a young team. It's certainly, tonight, nights like last night are certainly a reminder that at the end of the day, this team is only going to continue to have more and more successes. And as they do, not only is this team 
because of just how, you know, just because of the chemistry and how close they are, not only is this team going to be able to enjoy it, but each of us, no matter how close or far we are from the team in terms of where we are as a fan or covering the team or whatever it may be, each of us are going to take pride and enjoyment in seeing it on a consistent basis. So much for enjoying this edition of Locked on Grizzlies podcast. You can certainly find the podcast wherever podcasts are available Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the podcast app on your phone. Find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at StatsSAC. For those here in the Memphis area, certainly hope that you stay, stay safe, comfortable, and warm considering the conditions. Even if you're not in the Memphis area, hope that applies to you as well. Hope that all of our listeners are having as good a start as possible to the 2021 uh, calendar year. Hopefully it's going a bit better than last year did for all of us. Obviously, the Grizzlies, will not, they're thankfully not going to have to deal with this inclement weather too long as they're going to be out on the road starting against the Los Angeles Lakers for a bit of a West Coast swing. We'll talk about that in much more previewing the weekend here for the Grizzlies. Hopefully, they can get a victory or two and continue the momentum that was set from last night's historical performance. Again, my name is Sean Coleman. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz on Twitter, myself at StatsSAC. Check us out. DM us if you've got any questions, comments, or any content that you want to be discussed. We're always very, very excited when we have interaction with our listeners to make sure we're providing you with the best content content possible. Again, stay safe and warm and comfortable. Hope you have a great Thursday, and we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.